1: I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Bill Hemmer.
2: I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown.
1: Monday, March 21st, 2022, I'm Mike Emanuel. Supreme Court confirmation hearings start today for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. Supporters note she's already been vetted by the Senate three times, but stakes are high as the Supreme Court is the ultimate with a lifetime appointment on the nation's highest court. Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn, a member of the Judiciary Committee, says Judge Jackson deserves
2: proper scrutiny. And the more we bring forward her record and her actions, then I think that people are going to stand stand up.
3: I'm Chris Foster. Season seven of the Furman Diaries on Fox Nation has former LAPD detective Mark Furman looking into cases like Bill Cosby getting away with it with women for decades.
4: It's the whole Hollywood plausible denial. If we're doing it and making money and making movies and careers are going forward, then it's all it's all good. And I'm Joe Concha. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown.
1: A seat on the Supreme Court is the ultimate in the American legal system. Today, the Senate Judiciary Committee begins confirmation hearings for President Joe Biden's first nominee to the high court, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. Nebraska Republican Senator Ben Sass, who will be a part of the Judiciary Committee's vetting, offered a preview on Fox News Sunday.
0: I want us to vet Judge Jackson's judicial philosophy. Yep. I don't want us to attack her as a human. Um, I want us to be having a debate about what her judicial philosophy is.
1: As Americans watch the hearings kick off, those in the US also remain invested in the other top issue facing US leaders, Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. With the humanitarian crisis becoming even bigger as areas run low on water, food, and medicine. Former USS Cole Commander Kirk Leopold describes it in heartbreaking terms.
5: Right now we are really witnessing the 21st century Holocaust in that he is ethnically cleansing, leveling those cities in his blind pursuit for power.
1: Back on the U.S. home front, a difficult issue at home for millions of Americans, soaring inflation, including high gas prices. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem says it is having a devastating impact on rural America.
5: It's our families that are trying to make ends meet. It's going to be our farmers and ranchers, but it's also going to be the people that end up buying that food uh, because it is going to be much more expensive.
1: Back to the top story to start the week in the United States Senate the confirmation hearings for what could be the first african-american female supreme court justice in history
2: going into this process we need to keep our attention on her record
1: senator marshall blackburn is a tennessee republican who serves on the judiciary panel Vetting Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson.
2: We have a nominee before us who is proving to be, as we look at her record, from the progressive wing of the Democrat Party. And she is going to get a very thorough, very respectful hearing. But the American people want to know who it is that is up for a lifetime appointment. They don't want happy talk what they want are specifics. And as I have combed through her record, what I have noticed is how she's consistently been soft on crime. So looking at uh, some of the things that came forward there, looking at how When COVID hit, she was ready to let 1,500 federal prisoners who were detained in D.C. go. We also need to look at this record on child abusers and child pornography going below the average sentencing. The cases, I've reviewed about 10 cases, and it's anywhere from three to five years below the minimum recommended Sentence. And as moms are very concerned about crime in the streets, as they're concerned about what is happening to their children online, pedophiles and abusers and traffickers that find children online and then follow them trying to apprehend them and ruin their lives. So all of these are issues we are going to cover with her. I, I still, even after her hearing that we did with her, we still cannot get a direct answer from her about what is her judicial philosophy.
1: Interesting. Okay, so the other side would say, hey, she's been confirmed by the Senate three times. And this time around, if Democrats stick together, they don't really need your side's buy-in. Obviously, in a perfect world, it would be a bipartisan vote for a Supreme Court nominee for a lifetime appointment. But do you worry that Democrats are just going to say, well, the heck with you, we're just going to confirm her anyway?
2: The Democrats, I think, are going to push as far to the left as they can get by with pushing. We see this on everything, whether it's Russia, Ukraine, China, taxes or uh, federal bench nominees, including the Supreme Court. But here is the thing. The more we question her and the more we bring forward her record and her actions, then I think that people are going to stand stand up.
1: I remember being on the Hill during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process, which was probably the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, And then you had Judge Amy Coney Barrett, and I think an emphasis from Republicans this time around is that it's going to be a lot more genteel than it was for those previous Trump-era Supreme Court nominees. What about that? What are you expecting in terms of atmosphere during this confirmation process?
2: I would choose not to use the word genteel. I think what you're going to see is respectful, but pointed and specific questions. She has to answer for her record. And I have to tell you, people really find it so unseemly that during all of this with Russia, with Ukraine, everything that is going on, that the administration is trying to force through this nomination before Judge Breyer is even off the bench. They are pushing to do this. I guess they fear that they are going to hit a point where they do not have enough members present to confirm somebody. So they're trying to push this forward to confirm her and then hold her as a justice in waiting.
1: I know you're a very proud mother and grandmother. As you look at the Russia-Ukraine situation, what does that do to your heart to see these Ukrainian families that are torn apart? Maybe dad stays behind to fight and says goodbye to his wife and children. I mean, it's just heartbreaking the scenes we are seeing from there.
2: It is heartbreaking, and it is just gut-wrenching. We are seeing these atrocities take place against people and these family goodbyes in real time as they are happening. And Mike, if I could charter a plane and go scoop up all these babies and bring them home and take care of them, I would do that in a heartbeat. To me, the fact that Putin is so calloused and is so obsessed with controlling Ukraine and rebuilding the old USSR that he would bomb a maternity hospital. To me, this shows you he is a war criminal. And when Joe Biden goes to NATO this week, I hope that he brings up these war crimes and these crimes against humanity.
1: British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss accused Vladimir Putin of using talks between Ukraine and Russia as a, quote, smokescreen while Putin's forces regroup. Quote, we don't see any serious withdrawal of Russian troops or any serious proposals on the table. Your thoughts about these negotiations between Moscow and the Ukrainians?
2: And they have seemed to go nowhere. And we know right now the troops are trying to pause, if you will, and they're trying to get in reinforcements. But what we do know is this. We know that supposedly he had 190,000 troops on the border. We know that they've lost about 14,000 of those troops. And some of our military analysts say, Take that number times three, and that is probably the number of battlefield injured that you have. We also know that Russia has had significant losses in personnel uh, vehicles and ships and boats and tankers. So you have to look at all of this in total to see what their capability is going to be. Now, the concerning thing is that Putin is saying he is going to conscript soldiers for hire out of Syria and Iran and Chechnya and Southeast Asia going into Laos. And you look at what's happening in Mariupol right now with Mm -hmm. the destruction of the buildings in that city. And here's the thing. If Joe Biden doesn't go in there to NATO and stand up for freedom in the free world, who else is going to do it? Who else will stand up? And I thought that the challenge that Zelensky delivered to Joe Biden to be the leader of the free world, I thought that was a very well-placed challenge because that's what he needs to do.
1: To an issue here at home affecting every one of your constituents in Tennessee and folks across this great country, inflation, the Federal Open Market Committee predicts that we will likely see inflation remain above 2% until at least 2023. What areas of Americans' lives do you think will be affected most in the coming year?
2: Well, first of all, I think their number is low <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have to look at energy as an area where we are hearing most about this. And it doesn't matter if I am at church, it doesn't matter if I'm at one of the grandkids' ball games, where I am, somebody is telling me what they have just spent to fill up their tank. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a fixable issue. I have been calling for the last three weeks for us to begin an Operation Warp Speed with our government. This is what Biden needs to be doing to challenge the private sector and the government sector. How do we get regulation out of the way? How do we go back to being energy independent? And of course, when you look at the oil futures market, You get a feeling of what their expectation is. And, Mike, their expectation is not 2 percent inflation in 12 months. Their expectation is that it is going to continue because of the Biden energy policies and what he is continuing to push out. This is ludicrous. This is this energy issue is driving up the cost of everything. And it is all of Joe Biden's making from the time he took office till the time that you saw Vladimir Putin start this invasion. You saw the price of a gallon of gas go up well over 50 percent. It was in that window. It started going up as soon as Joe Biden was elected, and it has continued significantly. And until we decide we're going to return to energy independence and apply some common sense, it is going to continue to escalate. I talked to somebody that paid $7 a gallon for regular yesterday over in California Mm. and you know, it. this is becoming unaffordable for working families in Tennessee, uh, two people working uh, joint household income that's about 80000 $85,000 a year. And they are paying double what they were paying a year ago for a gallon of gas to go in the car.
1: Senator Marsha Blackburn, a member of the Judiciary Committee, thank you so much for your time. Wish you well with your vetting of a Supreme Court nominee this week.
2: Thank you.
6: Fox News Podcasts
5: Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast.
6: Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. This is Joe Concha
3: with your Fox News commentary coming up. Mark Furman was a police officer and detective in the Los Angeles Police Department for 20 years. Now digging into crime is host of the Furman Diaries streaming on Fox Nation. Season seven's out today, five episodes about famous cases from the past, like the Jonestown Massacre, the son of Sam stereo killer, and more recently, Bill Cosby's sexual assaults.
4: As history has shown, with power comes silence, with power comes disregard, and with power comes acceptance. Whatever repulsive antics Bill Cosby was pulling in his personal life had no bearing on his professional career. His behavior had no consequence, and so he never had any incentive to change. If it had, would anything be different today?
3: Mark Furman was around L.A. during the height of Cosby's fame and says he knew about his reputation.
4: And when people on sets say, if you care about any female, don't bring them around Cosby. I mean, if this is that common of knowledge, you'd think that the people that are running studios and making movies and HBO specials would realize this. And I absolutely know they did.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess it also speaks to the times where maybe it wasn't so, I mean, it was bad obviously, but maybe it wasn't so um, considered so bad among the people who Cosby was making money for that. He was drugging and raping women while making the money for them.
4: Yeah. I don't know what time in, in civilized, uh, history and at least in our country that that was okay but making money uh, was more important and i think that i think this comes down to i hear it but if i don't ask a question that i don't know anymore and then somebody doesn't know that i actually know and i was worried about it that there was a problem and it's all it, it's the whole hollywood plausible denial if we're doing it and making money and making movies and careers are going forward then it's all it's all good and it's really disgusting because he's the most prolific rapist in American history.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point about people knowing and right. The less the less you really know, the better. As long as it stays rumors, you can you know, maybe sleep a little bit better at night. But on the other hand, as bad of a guy as he was, you agree that it was the right decision um, to let him out of prison.
4: Well, I, I, I agree that you, you have to follow the, the rule of law in the Pennsylvania D.A., Violated that because he used information that would uh, not be used because he wasn't represented with a Fifth Amendment privilege in a civil trial. He was confronted with a question and a deposition and that district attorney that was in power then made an agreement. You know, you can be truthful in this. I'm not going to prosecute you for anything you say. That's why civil cases are done after criminal cases. This is exactly the problem. So legally, he should have been released. But let's be honest. In Los Angeles, a gang member that does a drive by shooting will probably do less time than Bill Cosby did.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I I didn't mean to imply that you thought it was a good thing that Bill Cosby was out of prison, just that you understood the, uh, you know, the the legal reasons for him being out. He made a deal during this civil case. And I guess the deal, it, it was ruled that the deal wasn't locked to that particular DA. It was locked to the office.
4: I mean, that's 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 why we have uh, appellate courts and we have multiple judges sitting on those courts going all the way up to Supreme Court. So you can really have a view of what was done and what rights were violated. And believe it or not, I mean whether we agree with it or not, suspects, no matter how heinous do have rights, just like the rest of us. Let's go back a
3: few years to Jonestown, November 18th, 1978.
4: He instilled fear in his congregation by preaching. The government was going to come for them and their children. So it was best to kill themselves. He ordered his followers to drink a fruit punch laced with cyanide. Take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece Step over quietly because we are not
1: committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act. We can't go back. They
3: won't leave us alone. Um, More than 900 people died in a, uh, it's a mass murder. I guess you could call it a mass suicide. But um, first of all, just remind everybody what happened here. But also if you can, if you can amass that many people under you as a cult leader and nobody, you know, nobody seems to blink at it, right? How did he get away with it?
4: Well, Jim Jones, uh, he was, you know, the way I described Jim Jones was he was a grifter of souls. He was selling a bad product and representing one thing and then doing another. And that's really what he was. He was he was just somebody that used religion like somebody uses a a cheap trick at a carnival. He get these people and he would pick victims. He would pick people that actually needed something in their life. They didn't have a lot, what they did have he ended up taking. So he gained riches from these people by having them sign over cars, houses, savings accounts to the church. He wasn't even a minister. He was just a grifter. And when you get that many people together, First, he got them into a mindset where they depended on him. Then he got them into to a geographic location where they depended on him for the very life, the the eating, you know, the daily necessities for life. And then he manipulated their mind to actually, you know, many people back then called it a suicide. This is a mass murder murder. And one of the more heinous, 300 children, 300 children were killed by the very adults that took care of them before those adults were either taking the juice themselves or made to at gunpoint.
3: Yeah. I mean, he commanded everybody to drink this cyanide laced punch with the with the kids first, which is um, kind of mind blowing that except for the people who were, I guess, doing it by like you said, doing it by force. Um, Can you imagine having your mind warped so much that you're going to kill your kid for this guy?
4: Well, we can. We've 9-11. We still have we still have countries that think like this. I mean, look at Iran. I mean, we have all these terrorist groups that they are of this mentality and they will kill people and themselves for their religion. And this is where religious cults actually should really be monitored and uh, there should be standards. Uh, You don't let somebody, uh, you know, treat you medically as a doctor that has never gone to medical school, Uh, you know, but we have religious leaders that seem to be able to just come out of the woodwork, just like we, like where they're growing in the garden. There's no standards. I'm a, I'm a minister you know, and that is all there is. And the government doesn't challenge them and it's hands off. And we've seen this in our society and we still currently do. As soon as somebody puts the church, the church stamp of approval on their group, it's hands off, no taxes, no surveillance. You know, you can't arrest us. We have a sanctuary. It's it's really a bunch of BS.
3: Uh, right around the same time, a couple of years before, Uh, New York city was terrorized by this guy turned out to be David Berkowitz, um, known as son of Sam, the serial killer, um, largest manhunt in the city's history. Now there, there are these, you know, armchair sleuths, I guess, who are saying, well, maybe he didn't act alone. That was a theory at the time. You don't buy it.
4: No. And, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald had six seconds in time when he, shot three shots from the book depository and shot a governor and a president. And there no matter how much you want to make it a conspiracy, it was not. And, you know, the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, I mean, this guy is pretty much a flim flammer too. You have, uh, you have a guy named Maury Terry who worked for IBM writing articles and he became obsessed with this and he spent The better part of 30 years of his life researching the theory. First, he has a theory, there was more than one, and then he sets out to prove it. And all the little coincidences of the Kennedy assassination are exactly what happened in the coincidences in the Son of Sam. You know, David Berkowitz. Yes, he had friends. Yes, he had associates. Yeah, he was weird. Yeah, he was mentally disturbed. Yes, he committed these crimes. But when you have Maury Terry say he didn't, that other people helped him, and he writes a book, and then that book is out. And then a couple years later, he interviews David Berkowitz. What do you think David Berkowitz says? Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. And he conveniently puts those other you know, suspects that actually murdered people to two brothers that were already dead. How convenient is that? I mean, this is pretty much this is all just garbage. And, you know, Maury Terry, you know, to his credit, he did a lot of work. But he, the kiss of death for an investigation, he first had his theory and then he set out to prove it and right. he omitted anything that didn't fit.
3: Sure. Um, those are three of the five episodes this season. The other, uh, a guy who's speaking a confessions called the Confession Killer. Uh, I don't want to give the whole story away. A man who claimed he killed over 600 people and the Texas Rangers were happy to hear it. But, you know, turns out he wasn't necessarily telling the truth. Also, The Onion Field, they made a movie about it in the 70s, about the kidnapping of LA cops, nineteen sixty three, 1963, um, the show says that it, it changed tact-
4: police tactics. This case did. How so? Yeah, you know, uh, Hedinger and Campbell, you know, they were on LAPD. And so I knew about them in 1975 when I came on in it. And they referred to it constantly. And basically, the tactics was no matter what, you never give up your gun. And basically, the scenario is a suspect gets your partner's gun and threatens to kill your partner What do you do? Well, if you give up your gun, most probably there's going to be two dead cops and one free suspect. So the idea and the tactics were gun takeaways, front gun takeaways, uh, arrangements between partners, what to do if somebody gets my gun, you know, uh, a, a word, a signal, a call that one officer that's a hostage will state so they know that. So the other officer knows he's going to take some action at that point. But, you know, what? after I actually dug into this, uh, I started questioning if any agency can actually, in all situations, make this a policy. That you've got officers lives that are hanging in this decision and not every situation is the same. And I'm not sure that they can make this as absolute as they did when I came on the job in 1975. Interesting. Uh, It's it's, it's a heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching story.
3: And you can watch it or watch uh, Mark Furman's take on it in season seven of the Furman Diaries available right now, streaming on Fox nation. Mark, good to talk to you again.
5: Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. Lawmakers will begin Senate confirmation hearings on Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Republicans appear to be hoping for a long process for President Biden's first high court pick, but Democrats cite the quick action taken on Justice Amy Coney Barrett's hearings during the Trump administration in hopes of a truncated timeline. Tuesday. Actress Amanda Bynes will be back in a California courtroom hoping to end her conservatorship. Both of the actress's parents say they support an end to the supervision which has been in place for about nine years. Her parents filed for the conservatorship in 2013 after Bynes was put on an involuntary mental health evaluation hold. Saturday. A hike in Amazon Prime's annual membership fee takes effect. The annual cost will increase from 119 to $139. Those paying monthly will see their costs go from 1299 to 1499 And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Denison, Fox
6: News. jason
3: in the house the jason chaffetz podcast dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines
0: as i take on american life politics and entertainment subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts
6: rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it's time for your fox news commentary joe concha what's on your mind
0: What if I told you 10 years ago that less than a third of the American public thought that a sitting president just one year into his first term should not seek reelection and that president as a candidate received more votes than any other in u.s history 81 million votes to be exact you would say i wasn't sane or sober or probably both but here we are and lest anyone think this is an outlier of a poll another one from abc news and the washington post found that a majority of americans believe the president doesn't have the quote mental sharpness unquote for the job now if a majority of people here believe that about their own Commander-in-Chief, what do you think our adversaries are thinking? Because maybe, just maybe, they see an opportunity. Joe Biden, the sequel? More and more, it's looking like, less and less, a possibility.
6: I'm Joe Conch. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.